All right, welcome to another episode of Texas Unfiltered. Um, you know, we still need a video intro. Again, reach out to me if you are good at putting together these intros. If you've got the time, again, not looking for free work. We'll, we'll make it. We'll make it work. Um, whatever, whatever's necessary. Um, but reach out to me. I need a good intro. We need a good intro. The uh, we we can't use the old one right now. <laughs> None of those players are on the team anymore. It kind of sucks. Um, and you know, as great as it was, like it was professionally done. It looks good. I love that intro. It's over. We need a new one. So please reach out to me. Let me know what's going on. I am, jo well, of course, this is John with uh, Texans Unfiltered. You can find me at johnaway 3 on Twitter. Um, feel free to hit me up at any point. This week, I am joined by a very special guest, Mr. 713 himself. Hey, Ruben, why don't you introduce yourself, man? What's going on, Mr. 713? What's going on, guys? <clears throat> um... Oh, I do. Okay, well, I mean, yeah, I'm yeah. 713. Uh, hit me up on YouTube, uh, 713 uh, Houston Sports. I try to upload daily. Um, it's getting kind of hard, but I try to uh, move on. If you want to hit me up at Twitter at uh, 713HSP, hit me up. Let's talk some ball. Let's talk about life. How you doing, John? Dude, dude, you're uploading daily, even with all this going on? Like, how much of a glutton for punishment are you? You know what? I'm just used to it at this point. You know, I'm just used to the constant pain and constant criticism that myself and that I hear, and it just fuels it. You know, I just want to look back at it and say, you know what, I really went through these times. You know, I mean, it's the, uh, you remember Game of Thrones, the uh, the Iron Island people? Yes. What's dead may never die. Like, that's my heart right now. It's already dead. It can't die again. Yeah, so. like nothing else they do could surprise me. <laughs> All right, man. Have, did you watch any of Albert Breer's interview of Nick C today? I only heard the, the bridge. Uh, just some bits off Twitter about the uh, you know about Jack Easterby and the uh, Deshaun Watson them saying that hey we are going to do what's best for the team and usually when you hear something like that that means the end is coming for Mr. Deshaun Watson which is um, it's scary and frightening. Where were you on on that side prior to all this all this stuff that's going on out there? Did you think that Deshaun was going to be traded? I didn't think so, but I wanted it to happen. I was, you know, like at the point I was upset with Deshaun Watson when all the, you know, the the uh, theatric stuff that he was doing. So I wanted him traded. I didn't think it was going to happen. But then I started, you know, just feeling like, you know, if I'm Nick Casario, why wait till next year? Why not do it now? Why start my rebuild right now where I know I could get value for him? And then with these all these allegations and stuff going on, um, it just only exceeded what I thought was going to happen. I do think he is going to end up being traded. So you were from day one, as soon as he had his demands, you wanted him out the door. Yeah, because if, if you don't want to be here, I'm sorry. I don't want you. And, you know, Deshaun, dude, I cried about this dude, right? When Deshaun Watson threw a touchdown as a rookie in, in the Chiefs game, I cried and I was like, this dude is going to win me a Super Bowl. And this was my next favorite player from Andre Johnson. And once he was like, yeah, I'm done. I'm out. I might even sit. I was like, all right, man, I'm sorry. It's time to go. Okay. So with him asking out, why did that turn, why did that turn you off on him so quickly? Cause again, I'm, I'm not, I'm right there with you. He was, he was my favorite player. He was probably since Arian Foster, like um, right there of Andre Johnson, but I loved Arian. I absolutely loved Arian. And Deshaun had that magic to his game, just like Arian did. And you know, it hurts. And I mean, I think it's pretty well known that up until those legal issues, I was actually fairly sure that he wasn't going to be traded. And I actually didn't want him to be traded. Mm -hmm. I mean, 
So why did you want them to be traded? I mean, I think it's just me more being that I love this, you know, this, you know, this city. I love these teams so much. Any, you know, if you like, if you're not with, you know, that team a hundred percent, you know, then I don't want you here. And that's kind of what happened with Deshaun Watson. Um, I don't like to be that guy who's just like, yeah, like if it's, you know, just the guys who hate on other players just for leaving. But for Watson, it felt something more. It felt like he quit on us. And after you say you want to be legendary and you're crying on draft day, reading a letter that your mom wrote to you and talking about how we're not supposed to be here. I was so happy. We're so special and blessed. Man, I thought he was going to bring us a Lombardi. You know, I always said that it's not a matter of if Deshaun Watson wins as a Super Bowl. I'm sorry, a Super Bowl. It's going to be when. Okay. So how are you feeling right now with everything going on? Um... What like this is actually the first time I actually like really talked about it. That's kind of cool, crazy. Um, I just like I don't want to just say that all these accusations are false because that's not you know you know like that's not. There's obviously there has to be some truth. Nineteen people did just you know file against 21. you. Twenty one now. 21. You know I don't think all those are you know true, but those shouldn't knock off the ones that are true. If if it's true. Um, I just hope we just see what happens. Um, I think the best case for him is if he settles. It might make him look guilty, but I mean, settling solves a lot, a lot of his issues, and we could just move on. But it's 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 tricky for Deshaun Watson, and it was actually kind of shocked to hear all these stuff about him. You know, because we as fans, you know, we saw him give his his check to cafeteria workers. You know, we've seen how much he does in the community. I was like, are you serious? This is what Deshaun Watson's doing? I, you know, your first thought was, I don't believe it. Then it just kept on coming and coming and coming. You were like, well, I don't know anymore. Fair enough. I mean, I honestly still still at an absolute loss for words for mm-hmm. all the – for all the accusations, I, it's not, I think that there's always levels of gray, but he was definitely, he definitely did something wrong. Yes. Like, definitely did something wrong. And I hate to say it, but you don't have that many accusations. You don't have that sort of pattern. And best case, best case, he was solic- soliciting prostitutes. Like that's best case. And honestly, you know what, if that's all he was doing, I really wouldn't care. But it may be something along the lines of like the uh, the Derrick Rose where um, – who was it? Um, shoot. I'm plagiarizing somebody. Uh, the Brandon Scott, when he brought up on his podcast the other day, where Deshaun just doesn't know what consent is. Um, I When it first came out, I made a comment to James and actually should have said it on the show. But it's actually, in my opinion, probably very close to what – um, honestly, what Donald Trump said uh, prior, way back when, when he said, when you're famous, they just let you grab them by the pussy. Yeah. And I think that it's probably closer to that. Deshaun, he's famous. Of course, these women are going to say yes to them. And he doesn't realize they're in a situation where they can't say yes. Or they can't say no. Of course, they're going to say yes. And just to so, add on to that, you know, ever since in high school, this dude's been a winner. Yeah. Won a state championship, won a national championship. The dude is, you know, for for the better part of his adult life, he's been untouchable. So, you know, maybe that got to his head and maybe, you know, some of these things are true. 
Um, but I mean, like you hit it right on. It's just um, it's a tough situation. Yeah, and that was Brandon Scott on the Bebop, uh podcast that brought it up, and I think that that's really what it is. Like, he's just not. Why would they say no? Like Ryan and Chat thinking the uh, HBU athlete who said, "Why do I need consent?" It's not so much. I think that Deshaun in his heart probably feels like he didn't do anything wrong. He thought he was just probably being like a ladies' man, and it, the only thing he was doing wrong was messing around on on his on his girl. I mean, which we all kind of thought that they were going to be together and with uh with Deshaun even with his with his reputation coming out of Clemson and everything like you're so sure that this guy is this great guy and you think that he's going to have this power couple he's going to have his his super hot Instagram wife he's going to do all the right brand. things it's going to be him and it's absolutely heartbreaking um I don't know who made the original tweet and I can't find it but they made the comment about never being so more heartbroken about somebody's character of an individual that you didn't know than Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Like absolutely heartbroken. Absolutely heartbroken. Yeah. Like it's one of those things that hits you in the face. I mean, like you had to like stop what you were doing to legit read what everything says about what they followed against them. And so many stuff came out and it's, uh, you know, it's it's like I said, it's a very touchy subject. You know, um, I don't think he's done in playing in the NFL, though. I do think he no. might end up being suspended. I mean, Michael Vick, you know, that whole situation there going on. Um, you know, like James said, uh, I think it was today on Twitter that he might be suspended for a year and then, you know, play what, you know, play for us next two years. Um, I do think he gets suspended, but I think that is something that the Houston Texans need to move on from. Yeah, I think he's definitely done in Houston. I I don't see him. Unfortunately, unfortunately, I don't see him back on the Texans. And there's way too much smoke there. Even one of those cases is enough. And have you seen that? Have you seen that that Sports Illustrated article? Did you read that the other day? About oh yes, I did. And- yeah. So, and she hasn't. And independently verified by Sports Illustrated, we sat there and we crucified. Everybody is still continuing to crucify Jack Easterby. Granted, I even have there's a parody account out there that's that's using my head but claiming to be Jack Easterby. Yeah. So you know, if we're gonna give that same sort of trust to that article, then you've got to give it the same way to this Deshaun one. And again, it's heartbreaking. And again, I don't think that. I don't think that Deshaun even realizes that he did something wrong. And that's kind of a bad, and you know, and that's really bad. If, you know, if you don't think of what you're doing is wrong and is actually wrong, because who knows like how far this could have gotten if he didn't get stopped. I'm not saying it would have gotten any farther, but you know, if you see the way he, you know, he responds in those DMs, uh, you know, he, he looks like he really just didn't know he did anything wrong. Like you are yeah. saying, um, so doesn't excuse him, but something has to happen. I just, I just, I just, when do they trade him? Yeah. Do you think that, do you think he's going to be suspended? I do because some of these, like I said, you know, you, you know, like, you know, there are some truths to these and, you know, in the era that we are now, you know, these things, you know, they could, you know, cancel your, you know, your career and like what you do. I think some type of punishment will be given to him. I just don't know how much. 
Any what do you sort think? of guesses? 46 games, probably. 46 games. Okay. I mean, I think that actually sounds kind of fair. Um, four to six, or maybe about, well, now it's a, now it's a 17 game season. We got to talk about that here in a little bit, but it's a 17 game season. I could see them with the, the amount of information that's out there. I could see him actually being forced to sit the entire year. Now, if he's forced to sit the entire year, what do you think that does to his trade value? You see, that's a tough one because you know the talent's still there. It's just he's in trouble. Um, I mean, you might lose one of the second round picks or two of them, but you still need to demand high for Deshaun Watson because the talent is still there. Look at the stuff he did with nothing. And he yeah. was a top QB. I said it if the Houston Texans had an above average defense, we are in the playoffs. Dude, the talent is still there for Deshaun. Some team is going to have to want him. And if another team wants him more, it's going to, you know, the price will go up. One thing that I love that Nick Casario is still saying is that we are being firm. We don't want to trade him. You know, like now with this, um, you know, that might change. But I just want to say the job that he's doing, Nick Casario, fantastic. Yeah. No, I, I think that the advantage of – it's almost like – Deshaun getting in trouble is going to force the Texans to trade him. Yep. I think I have listening to Nick Casario. I believe that if this doesn't happen, Deshaun's not getting traded. Mm -hmm. However, this is one of the places where I think that me and you are actually in more agreement than me and other people. This doesn't affect his trade value. No, at worst right now, at worst right now, like he's not going to jail at worst. He's going to be forced to sit out a year. So it's the same sort of thing that if he decided not to play a year, his contract doesn't toll. The Texans don't have to pay it. So instead of having a 25-year-old quarterback, you'll have a 26-year-old quarterback that is top three in the league. Deshaun's value is not going anywhere. A team will pay the asking price for him because it is so incredibly hard to get a, a quarterback. So incredibly hard. Um there was a thing on Twitter where they were talking about all the first round draft picks, uh, first overall quarterbacks taken in the last 20 years. And which ones would you like to have? It's between Stafford, Newton, and, and Andrew Luck. Those are your three top choices. Stafford, Cam Newton, Andrew Luck. That's absolute best out of like 18 quarterbacks. And no offense, Cam, no offense to Cam, like I loved him, especially when he was younger and he could really play, but he's not that quarterback anymore. Andrew Luck retired early. And Matt Stafford, I mean, the Lions were always awful. And they had, I don't want to say talent, but the Lions were always awful. So you don't really know what Matt Stafford is because he's never played on a quality team. So none of those choices are good or great. I mean, Three years of camp? Yeah, I mean, dude, like, <laughs> a team is going to give up what the Houston Texans want. And and then, you know, the Houston Texans just need to just decide, do I, you know, want to trade him now or later? I do think the best is to trade him as soon as you can and get a focus on the draft. And now you shift from, you know, this Deshaun drama to now I had the sixth overall pick or whatever else, and now let's get to work. Yep. All right, we're going to tie the bow on Deshaun. 
and move on to Mr. Nick, Mr. Nick Casario. How are you, how are you feeling about his job? How do you think he's doing? Dude, what I'm I'm stoked. I'm excited for Nick Casario. I know a lot of, I was one of the people that said let him do his job because as soon as he got hired, the man started working. He was inherited this situation with Deshaun. I wanted to be here. And, you know, he had to deal with, you know, people still don't realize we are still dealing with the effects of Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien still has screwed up this team and it played off in the offseason with horrible contracts. You know, Nick has not only done that, but he's bringing a bunch of players. He brought in almost 30, <laughs> almost 30 freaking players, bringing in competition. He's handled contracts like Whitney's and, um, you know, he did Cunningham's today. You know, what he's doing is, you know, we always get excited because, you know, we have Bill O'Brien and um, it feels good knowing that there's actually someone who knows what they're doing in the front office. But there is a question, Mr. John Wade. Is how much credit does Jack Easterby get from bringing in Nick Casario? Oh, boy. I mean, it ultimately depends. I think that Casario is here because of Easterby. Like, there's no... There's no question about it. Yeah. And Casario is a professional GM. I will not argue that one bit. However, isn't it a little bit too early to sit here and say that he's done a fantastic job? I mean, what has he done? He's signed a bunch of players. He's done some restructuring, but that just kicks that ball down the road, just kicking the can further down the road. Now, granted, that's why some teams are so good at making, you know, their $25 cap room and actually turning into something and saying the cap's, the cap's a, uh, a myth mm-hmm. is because you do things like that, and it is nice to actually see somebody doing that. But honestly, like, I mean, you still got to pay those contracts. They're still going to hit the salary cap. So what exactly are we saying that Nick's done a great job at so far? Well, what I mean, me personally, when I see him sign – you know, all you know, his first day he signs freaking 15 players. You know, my main thing was like, okay, well, at least he's trying to be competitive. You know, I don't want us to try to spend money on, on big free agents and be like this team. I want to just be better than what it was last year. And it looks like that's what he's doing. He's bringing in players that not only, you know, could fit our system, but he's what I love is he's taking a chance on players, right? Like a Desmond, you know, Desmond King, who I absolutely am stoked about. He go gets Shaq Loss in a big need. Um, you know, since we don't know how these moves turn out, I can't say that he has been fantastic. I just like seeing how he's, you know, we're not used – I wasn't used to seeing how he was restructuring the contract. We didn't see that with, with Bill O'Brien. And, you know, we knew that we had cap issues, and he addressed it. We knew we, we, knew we had issues on the defensive line, and he tried to address it by slanting on these players. And I just feel like he just knows what he has here in Houston, and he's going to try and make it better. So what are these which one of these moves do you think is actually like a franchise changing move? Franchise changing move? I mean, I can't say any right now until you trade Deshaun Watson. <laughs> exactly. Which of these moves do you think we've signed a player that's gonna be a pro bowler? But that you are convinced that not even all pro, just a pro bowler, that you're convinced this player is gonna be our pro bowler next year. I mean, I don't want to say Andre one. Roberts because that's kind of a sellout. But I do want to say uh, uh, either Shaq Lawson or Desmond King. Shaq Lawson or Desmond King. You are much higher on Shaq Lawson than I am. Yes. Yes. What do you that see was, there? 
Well, <laughs> I watched him a lot in Buffalo, and, you know, I always thought that this guy just needed to play. Um, you know, I wanted him to get a – you know, he was always in a rotation around. And then he goes to Miami. Uh, he's doesn't play right. You know, he's out of position there. They, they, they don't run him right. And then now that he's here and, you know, we, we, we're going to run that, that lovey system, you know, that uh, I, I believe it's a 4-3, if, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it's a 4-3 Tampa 2. 4-3 Tampa 2 and Shaq like 4-3. I just, you know, I just want, you know, like I just wanted the name, honestly. Like I wanted someone at the defensive line. Shaq Lawson, you know, and all his seasons have averaged more, you know, has averaged at least five sacks. You know, so that's what I want to bring to Houston Texans. I just need, you know, people on that defensive line. But those are the only two besides Andre Roberts. Uh, what do you think about Philip Lindsay? He's getting a lot of love in chat. He's getting a lot of, you know, um, it's tricky because Jack Easterby, he still wants to keep um, David Johnson okay. And then we have Big Trust back there. Um I eventually could see Philip. I, I forgot about Philip. I'm sorry. I would have said Philip Lindsay. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I was stoked when we got him. You know, as an undrafted rookie, you rushed for 2,000 yards. You know, your first two seasons last year, the Denver Broncos they bring in Melvin Gordon. You know, I really don't know why they didn't commit to um, to, to uh, Philip Lindsay. He did. He did get 512 yards. But I think that when you bring him here, if we know, like, if we if a run game like and like our run blocking scheme just gets better then this, you know, Russian attack should be good. Phil Lindsay could go inside, outside. He's, you know, he's a beast with the, you know, with the ball in his hands. He's exciting. He's an excited player. He could break off a huge touchdown. You know, um, I like that we have someone, I mean, he's not that young, but he's not over 30. And I think that's no, what I like the most. He's like 26. He, he's, yeah. And that's what really I like young. the most. I mean, he was undrafted um, probably because of his size. He's a power back. You look at a guy like him, and your first thought, based on his measurables, is he's a scat back. But no, he's a power back. He's just an undersized power back. Very, very good at following his blocks. Um, he apparently is better at getting tougher yardage. And I mean, he's fine. He's a great piece to have. And it's funny because our big back is going to be our receiving back in David Johnson, and our little back will be our power back in Philip Lindsay. And it'll be interesting to see how they actually, you know, work Mark Ingram in, who's kind of a mixture of the two, but he's older. So. I don't know. I mean, it's a better running back room than what you had last year. Potentially. Because I potentially because I don't think they're going to try and force David Johnson to be the lead back. But we said last year quite a bit and Duke Johnson was used completely wrong. Yes, I agree. That when Duke Johnson had the ball in his hands, good things happened. And I'd almost rather, I'd rather kept Duke Johnson than David Johnson to tell you the truth, but they're going okay. after size, which doesn't lead me to have a lot of faith that they're going to use these, these three guys correctly. And Mark Ingram, I mean, he's 33, 34. Like he's not even a lock to make the team. I agree. Um, I, I do think, you know, the, the two running backs are going to end up being David Johnson and Philip Lindsay. But I think you're going to see Philip Lindsay do some things that are just going to excite you. And, it, you know, he has that big play ability. I Because I just don't believe in David Johnson. Um, I was no. hype on him last year. I was, you know, I was one of those guys. It's going to work. He's going to rush for a thousand yards. I was completely wrong. And he shouldn't be on this team. Um, you know, his he, he only did good the last, well, I believe, three or four games. 
you know, Philip Lindsay is gonna is gonna take over this running back position, and it's it's just a matter of when he does it. If used correctly. Yeah, I mean, definitely. And it's, I just, I don't know. David Johnson doesn't have the lateral speed anymore. Um, my joke with him was that he should just bulk up, um, be the uh, the two and a half yards and fall face down running back because yep. um, he can catch the ball, almost be a glorified tight end, um, fullback. Like, you know, that sort of combo because that's how the Texans seemed dead set on using him last year. And, you know, different, different O-line coach, different – um, different offensive line coach, different running back coach. Maybe this year they'll figure out how to use them, but he runs in a straight line and that's about it. And he can catch the ball. So David Johnson by himself is more or less part of the reasons why I'm not bullish on the running back room at all, because last year we had the hope that it was going to be a bounce back. He's going to be finally healthy again. And he was going to be good. And I honestly think I still think that the Texans made a mistake going with David over Duke. But don't Could you think wrong. that was also us uh, last year really trying to justify the DeAndre Hopkins trade? That yes, we got something potentially good in return. Um, I think that led to us, you know, saying that he could be healthy, and if he's healthy, he could be dynamic back. Didn't show it, but like, when do you think like like Philip Lindsay would eventually become the number one back? If the running backs coach actually pays attention this year from the start, yeah, like Philip Lindsay should pretty much be the first down and second down back in most situations. Mm-hmm. Whereas you would have David Johnson maybe in short yardage and definitely in passing situations because he can do both. Um, and then Mark Ingram can do a little bit of both, so he'd be the rotational back. However, again even to your conspiracy theory, maybe part of it is trying to prove that David Johnson's still a quality asset. So they're trying to force the issue. Um, part of it is we need better play from our interior offensive linemen. Uh, they're, they're really, it starts with the center and the two guards. If you can run the ball or not. And last year we didn't get a lot of production out of our center and our two guards. We had two amazing tackles. Like two really, really good tackles, but both guard positions. And I don't know what they were doing to sharpen. I'm, I'm, I'm terrified rotating a young player in without an off season like that is going to end up messing up sharpen and bringing in, um, it's Trent, Trent Cannon. Is that right? Yeah. Trent Cannon. I believe so. I, I don't know. All, all these pa- former Patriots offensive linemen that the Texans have chased after for years, I always get them all screwed up. Um, but Cannon potentially could be a monster at guard. I mean, he's, Marcus he's interesting. Cannon. Marcus Cannon. You see, I think I was getting Trent Brown and Marcus yeah, Cannon. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. I mean, they're all Patriots. And, you know, before we had Tunsil, we were every year. It's like, is that the Patriots tackle that we were going to go get? So, you know, this time is not me just not knowing how to talk. I just, you know, made a new person. Generic, former Patriots tackle. Um, <laughs> But you know, putting him at putting him at guard, he should be should be better than what we had, right? Um, so maybe that'll give a little bit of hope for our offensive line, maybe. And I think that Marcus Cannon is actually one of the more pivotal pieces that the Texans are bringing in. And I mean, I'm not 
to go back to my original point though, like now we're talking about the running backs being upgraded. I'm not a hundred percent sure that that Casario, what he's done, has really upgraded the roster enough to make that big of a difference. I've said it before and I'll say it say it again, but in my opinion, if we had Casario making these sort of moves two years ago, when we still had Hopkins, when we still had Watt, when we were still excited about Watson, these would be great moves. These are supplemental moves, but we don't have those stars anymore. Yeah, we don't have those. We don't have those high ceiling guys. If Casario did one thing, I wish he would have gone after younger guys that have a higher higher ceiling level. Like go out and risk it and go get some of the guys that. Um, that maybe have had behavior issues and things like that, but they went safe and they're definitely going, in my opinion, more for leadership, a safe locker room. Yeah. yeah. Like they're going, they're rebuilding the locker room. They want a safe attitude in there. And I don't know if that's going to necessarily translate into wins. Mm-hmm. However, I will say that it's enough now that we'll be competitive next year, probably annoyingly so. And I don't, and I'm not one of those people that wants to tank. Like, don't get me wrong. I don't want to tank. I don't want to lose, especially when we're watching, but we're going to be competitive with guys that are literally going to be churned right back off the roster. Yeah. And I really think it's more of a, you know, of a leadership type of year. You know, I hate that I have to say that, but this locker room is broken. You know, it, you know, it just went through something crazy. You you lose J.J. Y. you lose DeAndre Hopkins, and now you're about to lose Deshaun Watson. And he brings in guys like Don't Mark forget Ingram. about BMAC. Big, also, BMAC, B-Mac very as well. Yeah. Barbecue um, people chicken. May have, you know, people may have soured on him for his play, but he was a very vocal leader in that locker room. And, and so that's why I have, think these guys come in. And you're going to have a completely different culture. Completely different. You know, so maybe the young guys isn't what, you know, maybe that's not what he wants to do now. You know, maybe he just wants to build, you know, his locker room first. And then next year, if we do have Watson, we might have quite a bit of money. Go out and get these young guys and get and be competitive. Well, maybe. We'll see. I hope so. I mean, next year we'll actually have draft picks again. Um, regardless of what happens with Deshaun, next year we have draft picks. We may have a whole bunch of draft picks next year. But we'll see. Um, what do you think about the Dolphins making all those moves? You think they're loading up to come get Deshaun? I I don't see why not. I don't see why not. Um, you know, they say they're committed to Tua, or I, even if they haven't said that, you know, he, you know, you know, he did end up getting replaced by Fitzy. Um, man, they're a quarterback away. They have to see that. It's it's common sense. Go get Deshaun Watson, and there's a good chance you could be in the Super Bowl. I'm not, you know, it, you're gonna have a much better chance with Deshaun than two. You have hella draft picks that you robbed us for a couple years ago. You know, you're ended up, you know, you're doing us dirty again, but this time we're gonna have the draft picks, and now you get a franchise QB, someone who you're gonna be competitive for the next what seven, ten, ten years if if he stays healthy, 10, 12. You have to be excited if you're Miami. Oh, yeah. I mean, Miami has the assets to go get Deshaun. They are a quarterback away. And honestly, I know people keep saying, well, all these legal issues, it makes him untradeable. I actually think it's, again, I think it's the opposite. I think it makes him actually be available. 
you're you think still... it makes you more desirable? No, no, no. It makes them actually available. Okay. Oh, okay. There's still this. There's still this false narrative that was put out, pretty much by tech or by Deshaun's camp, that Deshaun had all the leverage. Deshaun didn't have any leverage. He no. signed a contract. Yeah. There was a dead cap hit equal to his contract. So you might as well have 20 something million dollars. So if the Texans trade him, they're paying him regardless. So the Texans really wouldn't have to be motivated, motivated to move him. If he doesn't show for training camp, his contract doesn't toll. If he doesn't play a game, his contract doesn't toll. If he sits up for COVID, his contract doesn't toll. Like there's all these different things that all it does is it makes Deshaun infinitely more cheaper. Because the escalations in NFL contracts year after year, and you know, next year when they have the new TV with this new TV money, like contracts are just going to go up. So, right now, if Deshaun plays and honors his contract for a year or two, he's going to be the most, he's going to be the highest paid quarterback in the league. If he sits, he's never going to be the highest paid quarterback in the league. And his contract will look more reasonable, even though it was badly negotiated by on our end. We did whatever he wanted because we wanted to keep him. But those are all factors against Deshaun. Even if he's not motivated by money, he's also talked about his legacy. If he sits out for a year, that is forever going to tarnish his legacy as a football player, not even with the legal side. So Deshaun never had the le- leverage that at all. Uh, no, he just didn't. That was a fault. That was false. So now, with all the legal issues, Nick Casario, who was the gatekeeper there, who said, absolutely not going to trade him. Now, all of a sudden, he's like, you know what? I'm going to do what's best for the Texans. Now Deshaun is tradable. Now the Dolphins actually have the assets to go get him. And thanks to the Texans, not only do they have the assets to go get him, they have the assets to go get him without gutting their team. Yep. It's the perfect storm for the Dolphins. They can't get a quarterback like Deshaun at the sixth pick. Getting a quarterback is a... it's. It's finding a needle in the haystack. The Texans will not be better off. No. And I hate this. Oh, we're going to have so many picks. It doesn't matter how many picks we're going to have. We're not going to be better off. Our ceiling will be going back to having a quarterback like Brock Osweiler, where the rest of the roster was absolutely loaded and we had a shit quarterback. Like, that's our best case scenario with getting all these picks. I am not excited about it at all. But because Deshaun, you know, got into all this trouble. He may actually, he is actually tradable now. Like at this point, Nick isn't putting his legacy on the line by moving on from Deshaun. All of a sudden that whole narrative has changed. And he is now tradable. It's, and I think it's just eventually going to happen. It sucks too. It sucks knowing that we had him, that we finally had the right guy. How many times did we ourselves say that the Houston Texans are a quarterback away and we botched it? And I mean, we really did because now we we don't know if any of these draft picks are gonna pan out. We know what Deshaun Watson is. He's a guy that is gonna make you drop your jaw and say, "Wow." And the Miami Dolphins could become a potential Super Bowl team and not even damage them. That's dangerous. That's a great job yeah. by them. And it sucks because we're going to have to go through this again and just say quarterback away. Like you said, quarterback away. Yeah. I mean, it was a great job by them, and they also got lucky. Who knew that the bottom was going to fall out on the Texans the way that it did? 
Like no one really predicted that. And the Dolphins, a little bit of luck, a little bit of skill, put themselves in a position where they're a quarterback away from being a legit monster of a team. And they have so many draft picks that even if they trade for Deshaun and he has to sit for a year, they're okay. I that's it's kind of a work of art, honestly, on in roster building. Perfect storm. So many things had to go right for them to do it. But if they're able to capitalize on this, the Dolphins have done a, a wonderful job and they have the potential to be the best team in the league for a, for quite a quite a while. A very we'll see. very long time. But I mean, so if we do give them to Miami, do you want Tua? Do you take Tua? No. We'll we'll end up with Tua, but I don't really want him. He's he's limited as a passer. And for the situation that we're gonna be in here, like Tua Tua is y'all are gonna probably think I'm crazy. But Hoyer a couple years back, when he was our starter, um, as much as we always want to trash, trash him, was the most accurate mid and short range quarterback. He just wasn't never aggressive, never pushed it down the field, and wasn't athletic enough. Tua gives me that same sort of vibe. He is very, very accurate short with short passes, um, but he doesn't really push the ball, and that may be because of his hip. Yep. Um, but even when he was at Alabama, I'm never really sold on Alabama quarterbacks because they get to play with all the best of everything. So I'm not the biggest guy on Tua, but most likely I would – I'm willing to bet that it's more likely that Tua is going to be our starting quarterback than Deshaun Watson next year. Now, are you high on Tua? I'm, I just, uh, I don't know, because I want to say yes. You know, I'm I'm just going to go ahead and say yes. I think, look, um, I just want to see what he could do with Pep Hamilton. I really want to see what he could do with them. You know, maybe we are putting a lot of stock into Pep Hamilton because how great Justin Herbert did. But I just want to see what he does uh, with us. I want to see what he could do with these running backs. Um, I just want to give him a chance, dude. Um, you know, a change of scenery might help. And I'm not saying he played bad as a rookie. He won a lot of games. I believe he won five games and lost two or I believe two or three of them. I could be wrong. Um, yes, he didn't do like just light up the field, but he did things that put them in a position to did win. And I just want to see if he could, could if he could do that here. Um, if I get the sixth pick. It's going to be tough. If I mean, if a quarter, quarterback is there, I mean, it's going to be hard to see if we take him or not. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised, even if we get the sixth pick this year, that we're kind of in a situation where we trade back and try and load up and get a quarterback from next year's draft. Oh, I mean, if, I mean, if that's the case, then yeah, you know, the quarterbacks next year, Sam Howell, uh, Spencer Rattler. Um, I kind of want to, you know, do trade back as well. I want to kind of build, you know, get some pieces on this defense, you know, some young guys, you know, like you were talking about to help develop this team. Um, I am one of the ones who are really all for trading back and, and acquiring as much assets as we can. Yeah, we need we need some young players and we need to kind of load up and hopefully get we need some quality players. I agree. And again, the types of types of moves that Casario's has made, like those are all role players and, you know. And they're not bad, but it, I'm just like, I can't get crazy excited about them because they're not even doubles. These are all guys that are going to be singles. Like, yeah. 
he talked about doing singles and doubles. He wasn't going for the home run signings. Well, he went all singles in my opinion, and I could be wrong and hopefully I'm wrong, but that to me, that's just what it feels like. So trading, if we're, and I say this, so maybe that, what is, that is the plan. Like if you trade Deshaun, you trade back and you load up because all these singles with a team with Deshaun is competitive. It's very feisty. Like exactly. it has, there's enough juice with a quarterback like Deshaun that they could possibly make a noise without a quarterback like Deshaun. No then no, nowhere near it. So you have to get more assets. So maybe that's how he was kind of looking at it. He wasn't going to go all in. He kind of played it fairly conservative. I, I could be wrong, but that's maybe that's, that is what Casario is trying to do. And that's what I hope he does. You know, more ammo means you're more, you know, you have another chance, you know, to hit the target. You know, you have to get right on a couple of these guys. That's why I really love the, you know, the thought of trading back and getting, you know, still good players, you know, like I really don't let like Kyle Pitts. I really don't want to take him. You know, I do want to just fall back and just build his defense. I want to build it and build it. All right. Is there any player or any quarterback next year that you're like, I would definitely take him? Not right now. I would have to do much more, uh, you know, like study on on the quarterbacks next year, but not at the moment. I mean, I just know the top two are going to be Sam, uh, Sam Howe and the Spencer Rattler. I mean, I just – I'm not excited about Nexus QBs just yet, but I'm pretty sure I'll fall in love with one of them. Yeah, I actually want clarification. I used to be pretty good at identifying quarterback prospects. Um, the only one that I've actually missed on since we started this pod was was Deshaun. Mm-hmm. So part of me is like, I mean, I, that's what I, I because the Texans have been so bad at quarterback. That's what I did. I always looked looked at quarterbacks, and you know, for a minute there, I got pretty good. Maybe, maybe I'll get back into it. Well, maybe I'll have to. Um, but this year we, I mean, this year's draft is loaded at receivers. It's loaded at, at, well, it's not, it's loaded at receiver. There's two very, very good corners. To me, if we are able to trade back and another pick in the first round, somehow end up with two, two or three first round picks, being able to get a receiver and a corner and a true middle linebacker, or, you know, even, I don't know, like there's so many things we can do if we don't necessarily go after a quarterback this year, but there's no quarterback that I'm really excited about for next year. That's Ex- kind of the problem. Yeah, I mean, and that's why you're kind of banking on Tua, you know, t- you know, to really develop and try to be a good quarterback. Um, do you so far like any prospects of the potential of at six? Um, my favorite, my favorite quarterback this year is Trey Lance. Okay. Um, I think that, but he's, he's a red shirt guy. He's not coming in and starting no matter where he goes, but out of the guys that one of the quotes that's really stood out to me is look for guys that look like they played basketball. So your quarterback that looked like he actually played basketball knows how to, knows how to pass a basketball with today's NFL, just that that almost like peripheral vision, the playmaking ability, you know, Deshaun had that in spades. That's what he really, truly excelled at. And Pat Mahomes, he's got that where he, a little bit of like between like a mix between a shortstop and, and a point guard. The guy that screams that most to me is Trey Lance, but he doesn't really have enough numbers or experience to back it up. 
Yeah, he had but one year. I would think, yeah, he only had one year, and it's NDSU, so he's playing JV level, and it's not not necessarily enough there. Mark Jones is interesting until I saw his pro day, and he, yeah, he's he's more of a work in progress. I thought he was going to be more polished. And again, I hate I hate Alabama quarterbacks as prospects. They're great backups, just because they get the best of everything. They have the best weapons, the best offensive linemen, the best running back. Like he hasn't had to deal with adversary. And I mean, we all know Trevor Lawrence. He may be the best built quarterback in a generation. Like just if you were writing down all the things you needed from, you need from scratch, but he needs some polish. He doesn't have the creativity that you would like in a pocket, but he may be just like a physical specimen. And Justin Fields is interesting. Um, he did look good today. He I, he's very interesting. Justin Fields is very very interesting. I my original fear on him is he didn't look like he was going through his reads, but I believe it was Texans thoughts who pointed out to me that was the design of the Ohio State offense. They actually designed it so he's only looking at one side of the field, which you know Bill O'Brien did that for Deshaun when to first get him comfortable in the NFL. So I've decided I will no longer dock him on that. Um, but of those, the only one that wouldn't possibly be there at four is Mark Jones or Trey Lance and I are at six. Um, so I would take Trey Lance over Jones if both of them are at six. And that, those are the only two that are possibly going to be there out of those four. I do like Trey Lance, but, um, like I said, I mean, I like, uh, Micah Parsons and other stuff. I mean, he's going through some stuff himself. You know, I don't know what's going to happen with him, but I think he could be a fantastic linebacker for the Houston Texans. He is fast, and that's what you need. Um, I just wanted to Asante point out Sam something, Jr. Daniel. When I, yeah, yeah when, I, when I said this, Sertain and Horn, in my opinion, have almost like guaranteed like Pro Bowl corners. The other guys are going to be fine in the NFL, but I just, I'm such a big fan of J.C. Horn and Sertain. Like, those two are going to be really, really, really good. Like, really good. So if you had a chance to get either one of those guys, it's not just, I didn't, I, I don't want to imply that I thought that the uh, corner this year was a shallow. I'm just saying that there's two guys on it that are going to be, going to be stars. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I agree. Um, I do like, um, uh, I think Patrick's uh, Patrick and Jordan talk about the uh, edge from um, Penn state. Jason, I, I just, like, I don't want to botch his last name. Um, but you know, I'm not really, you know, like this draft, I'm not really looking forward to getting a lot of offensive weapons. unless one falls to you, you know, I'm just really focused on building the defense of this team. Um, I think, you know, defense was champions. We just saw what Tampa Bay did last year. Um, that's going to be my focus. I just need to see this defense built and then we could just worry about a quarterback while like in, in like a few years. Well, hopefully too, it does develop, but we had to see, man. We'll see. I mean, again, I want I want them to be aggressive going to get a quarterback. We saw what it's like when you're not aggressive getting a quarterback, but it's so hard and it's to to find one. And our team and the Texans have so many holes, so many holes. All right. Um, last thing we need to talk about is 17 games. What do you think about that? Are you excited? Do you think uh, it cheapens things? Is it too many? Where are you at on that? It's whatever. Um, you know, I'm not 
I'm not really used to watching the last game of the uh, of the season, anyways. Um, you know, but I always love that there's more football on. Um, I know the players are just highly, highly um, against it, and you know, and, and as it's kind of right from they are putting their bodies on the line. Um, I really don't feel any type of way about it. It's just hey, we have players. I appreciate I appreciate that, Bo Callahan. That's a good movie. Good movie. Very unrealistic, um, but good movie. Yeah, you know, Nick Casario is secretly Kevin Costner. So I'm sorry. What were you saying about the 17 game? <laughs> How, I mean, like, I'm not really either way about it. Um, I just need to just. I'm trying to. I'm trying to really like just understand why the players really do uh, just despise it, despise it to the core. And that's maybe really because that they just don't really get injured, which is perfectly fine by them. You know, but um, I'm I'm just here for it. I'm not really excited or nor happy about it. All right. I mean, it's more football, but not. Yeah. I mean, we lose two preseason games. Uh, granted, us doing this these podcasts and things like that, we actually liked preseason games. We got to mm-hmm. see all of our guys that were they're into roster. You know they're they're on the bubble roster bubble, and some of them are our crushes because we sit here and we watch tape and we research every guy that the Texans end up drafting and bring it on. We want to get excited. We want to find these diamonds in the rough. So we actually cared about those preseason games, but we are definitely in the minority there. Definitely in the minority. Um, and then Chris, I mean, yeah, preseason is always fun. I'm gonna I'm gonna answer this comment real quick. I don't think Chris. Uh, Chris Royal said that Lovey's defense is based off his front four. His cornerbacks don't really make money. Um, they need to be good tacklers. We still need a pass rush. Jalen Phillips at 18. Um, I get where you're coming from. However, I don't think Lovey Smith is going to be our defensive coordinator for long. I honestly just do not think that they are going to be, that he's going to be our defensive coordinator for long. I think bringing in that kind of zone heavy Tampa 2, what the Texans are trying to do is copy what the Colts did with Eberflus. Um, he runs the closest thing to what Lovey would run, but it allowed them to take their less talented. Cause remember when they came in, when Frank Wright came in and Eberflus came in, there was a lot of talk around how the Colts had the least talented roster in the entire mm-hmm. NFL. So I think that Casario paid kind of attention to that. And you're able to put lesser talented people into that. But I just, Based on the stories that I heard out of Lovey Smith out of Illinois, I just don't think that his heart's going to be in for coaching much longer. And I don't think that they're going to make the adjustments. And it really bothers me that they brought in his son to be the linebackers coach. Yeah, that was kind of crazy. Yeah. We're in that system. Linebackers are actually crazy important. And you're relying on your son, who apparently doesn't really coach, who just kind of gets a paycheck because of his name. I... I don't, I just, I don't see Lovey Smith being the defensive coordinator for long, especially if Rack is still around and involved in any form or fashion. I know that they've given him sort of a title, but yeah, I just, it would not surprise me if Lovey one or two years max. So if you can go out there and you can get a guy that's going to be a star, doesn't matter what position they play. So then what about David Cully? Are you giving him that same maybe or one or two years and he might be gone or? You really think we're just? I'm not. I'm not sure because Cully, uh, Cully is so old. I hate to say it, 
that no, he's not going to be coaching long. I, best case scenario for him is four or five years. I the day he was hired, wasn't he the second oldest coach in the NFL now? Mm-hmm. He, I mean, he did his time. He deserves this chance. I do stand by that. And he's not going to be a miracle maker. They brought him in entirely for cultural reasons. He is a bridge court. He's a bridge coach. Like he's a bridge coach. So it sucks, but that's the same with lovey. They're, they're bridges. Um, hopefully like our offensive coaching staff actually looks pretty sharp. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm not disappointed with that. The defensive side of the ball. I don't know. I really don't know about that side. You know, I had this strange conspiracy theory that, you know, that we were just going to see what Joe Brady did this year in Carolina. And if the Houston Texans do bad, okay, David Cully, thank you. Joe Brady, you're the next head coach of the Houston Texans. That was one of my crazy, crazy conspiracies that I hope comes true. You, you know, there's entirely a possibility for that. I mean, there was there was rumors, and I can't verify the rumors, but or I would have talked more about them, but I think James actually talked more about them, mm-hmm. that Casario and and Brady were almost a package deal, but Brady wouldn't come on without Deshaun's blessing and Deshaun refused to talk to him. Now that's one of those things that's entirely rumor, entirely a rumor. Like I cannot verify it. I would not put mm-hmm. it out there as news. That's why I was never, I never tweeted it. But I mean, there was people that were, they were trying to put that out there. I mean, wouldn't you rather have Joe Brady than David, you know, than David Cully? I don't know. He's never. You would want a guy that's never coached to have to oversee something like this. I mean, I agree, but I mean, that's it's just the it's the potentialness of Joe Brady, you know, of what he can be. And if you're looking for a coach that was gonna, you know, not be really competitive his first year, try to build up on his second year, then maybe the third year there's, you know, they're competitive. Then I think, well, let's try with a young coach. I would have loved to try that with Joe Brady. And I would have loved that. I mean, I would have loved it if, you know, if like Nick Casario brought in like some better assistant head coaches, if they would have brought in Joe Brady. But I mean, I can't be wrong. I mean, like I can't say any bad things about David Cully, you know, since he's got here, he's been trying to be positive, uh, you know, trying to affirm to us that the Houston Texans will be competitive. Uh, You know, I'm just excited to see, what he really can do. Yeah. And my pushback on that and not this, I think I actually am closer to you go for potential over, over, over known. Yeah. Like, instead of going safe, be aggressive. Like I, I, I am in, in agreement, but if you want a guy that's going to be a steady hand for a locker room that has completely lost its culture, do you want the guy that's super smart, but a little quiet younger than some of the players, or do you want a guy that, has done his time in the NFL, has been around a lot of systems that, I mean, I call him Coach Grandpa. He has that demeanor. He's Coach Grandpa. And I don't mean that in an ageism way. I'm just saying that he he sounds like a grandpa up there. Like he's going to sit there and he's going to relate and he's going to calm things down. I don't know if that's going to mean to any, if it's going to lead to any guys winning. I don't know if it's going to lead to the team being successful. But I could see it calming the locker room, keeping it from being a full-on riot, help, and I could see it being beneficial to help develop players. Like, I can see that line of reasoning. Like, Coley is never going to take a team to the Super Bowl. That's not going to happen. But our team is nowhere close to even being in that conversation. 
I mean, it goes back to what we said about the free agency, about us bringing in, you know, players now who could build this team locker room rise and, you know, leadership rise. And I think that's what David Cully, uh, you know, could do. Uh, I just hope they really just try to just give a glance every now and then on what Joe Brady's doing. Yeah, that's that's again Joe Brady. When we were talking about Casario making all the moves for a team two years ago, Joe Brady would have been the perfect coach for that team two years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, young. They have a solid core, solid culture. They don't have that. They I don't agree. have that anymore. And that's that's eventually why David Cully is here. I just hate that you know that we know this. Like like we know that he's not going to be here for the future of this NFL team. And we're just like, okay, David Cuddy, like you're just here until we get the next one. Yeah. And that that's in some ways that may be awful, but at the same time, there's only 32 coaches in the NFL or 32 coaches or yeah. they can coach head coach NFL teams. So even if you're like, you know what, I'm just going to be the bridge guy. I'm just there to get through. At least he gets to coach an NFL team. He worked his entire life for it. So, you know, but yeah, he's there for the locker room. He's there to hopefully develop some guys. Hopefully we get some younger guys in there and they can teach them. Like that's overall, if I had to say something about about the coaching staff, I it's more of a, a coaching staff around teaching than maybe even winning. So hopefully they set up the next guy. Hopefully there's I'm a that, long-term plan. I just want to see it. I just want to see it. You know, that's the goal, right? I just want to see what, what plan – do they have you know the you know when bill o'brien had his plan with east to be you know i only just like that they thought it could work you know turns out it yeah. couldn't you know i want that same energy from the casario i just want to see you know what the plan is because right now it's kind of faulty are we trying to compete or are we trying to you know get tank or whatever yeah but so we'll, we'll see, see. In a couple all right ruben is there anything else you want to touch on that we didn't talk about not really, man. It's you know, it's uh, it's it's sad right now for Houston sports. You know, you know, the only bright spot are the Cougs and the Astros if they extend Correa. Hopefully that happens. But you know, the Texans, man, they just find a way to bring us pain. It's shocking how, you know, how much this team, what they could do now, just not surprise me. I'll just say, I'll I'll end up laughing. Yeah, I'm not. A, I don't know. I get a lot of hate when I say stuff like this, but I live in Austin. So I'm very at this point, well, I mean, we'll see. My 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 little boy is pretty young, but I may not continue to fight the Cowboys influence. So Stop. <laughs> spare him some pain. Stop. Like if he wants to be a Texans fan, let him choose it on his own. But if he wants to be friends with his his little friends that all are Cowboys fans. Oh boy. Wait, no, 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 no. I'm sorry, buddy. You can't do that, dude. We're H Town till we drown, man. I I I chose this life. Oh, I didn't choose it. I was born into it. He was born in Austin. He he's born neutral. Like he he Oh, I don't know. Things can change. That's right now. That's, I'm just, that's, I'm just, that's I'm just, the hard I'm just, decision right there out I'm of all this hurt. stuff. Like I part of me looks like, you know, eventually Texans the Texans or Houston football will get their stuff together. But I mean, this is my entire lifetime and they haven't like, we finally get somebody to be excited about. And you know, this isn't, 
So it's not saying that the Cowgirls would be better or he'd be happier being a Cowgirls fan. At least he'd be with his friends. So if they're going to be miserable, they can be miserable for that team. I don't know. I yeah, don't but know. I was fighting coming. it. I was oh, fighting man. it. I, I mean, I've got, I've got all the Texan stuff, all the babies Texan stuff for him. He's got every jersey. Like I, I was pushing the Houston, Houston hard. All I'm saying a... is I may stop pushing it. There's no better feeling than hugging your dad when your team wins a championship. <laughs> when the Astros won, what? I know. I... Oh, dude, I kept, I kept him up. For the first three innings, he was a newborn. Um, he was, um, at that point, he was 10 months old. And I kept him up to the third inning for every single game, just in case something like this never happens again, them going to the World Series. I can tell him that he watched the World Series. Like, he's going to be an Astros fan. He doesn't have a choice on that. Texans, I don't know. Don't you hate that he's come to this point? Yeah. Don't you hate that at one point we had J.J. Watch, Davion Clowney, Tyron Matthew, and it fell apart and it's crazy you know it it really is how we saw this team go from shit to highly competitive you go back down for one year and come back up and now boom now you have no the future does not look bright at all for the houston texans whatsoever and the sad thing about it is me and you are going to be watching every single sunday oh yeah every minute every game and, you know, I always blame it on the podcast, but I would do it regardless. So at least the podcast, we get to commiserate. And, you know, maybe if we're just truly awful, like the Browns were for a little while, we'll get a little bit of, like, real football culture from just that misery. But I don't know. We've been pretty miserable. <laughs> I mean, we've had to deal with losing, uh, you know, three franchise guys, DeAndre Hopkins. Then you lose JJ. What, what are you talking about? When we were a little, when I, I I'm older than you, but when I was a little kid, I had to deal with losing a franchise. Like not just the players. I've I've, I've lost the Oilers in my lifetime. I was a little kid, but we still lost them. Like now we're losing franchise players. Like this is the pain. Do I want to really force that onto my child? If he chooses it, if he wants to be there with me, maybe. But me, I may just stop fighting this this Cowboys influence because all of our all of his little be friends, all of his man. neighbors. Oh boy! Can you imagine all how right. good it's gonna feel, John? And no matter how many years it takes for us to win a Super Bowl, you could be already like old, very old. It'll be so great to you know just to hug and say we did it, son. All the boys said that we that we sat through all the you know all the great games that we lost, you know, we finally did it. Ain't no other feeling like it, man. Oh, uh, I'm going to end it on, on this guy's Ryan's quote. He just says, Ryan, you want to force your child to love the painful life so they know what true love is like. Well, there you go. We'll see. All right. Well, y'all, I'm, I'm here every week. Um, I don't know who the co-host will be next week. We'll see. Um, probably have another guest. Um, maybe James will come out of his hole. Um, starting back up in June, James will be back. It'll be back to me and James every week. Living the pain with y'all. And I'm just going to end. The worst part about Deshaun is we had hope. You know a player like him. You just absolutely knew with a player like him you were going to get to the Super Bowl one day. And that's now gone. That's officially the worst part. So I hope that I've now bummed everybody out right here at the end of the show. Follow us at Houston 
FB pod on Twitter, Instagram, all those good things. Follow me at Johnny Wade three. Um, sometimes I'm very active with Twitter. Sometimes I forget about it. Um, just kind of depends what's going on in my life, but I try to interact with everybody. And I think I have one or two openings still left. If you do want to do come on and co-host and, you know, commiserate with me, just shoot me up, shoot me a DM if you are interested in it. And Ruben, you got anything else you want to add before we peace out? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Just, you know, thank you for having me on. Um, you know, if you want to check me out, 713 Houston Sports, uh, if on Twitter, I'm very active on Twitter. You know, it's getting kind of addictively dangerous how much I'm active on Twitter at 713 HSP. Once again, thank you guys for having me on. And hey, we're H Town till we drown, baby. Have y'all, yeah, we're gonna get through it. We're gonna get through it. All right, y'all have a good one until next week. <laughs>